Awesome. All right. Well, welcome everybody to your insightful life. I am super excited for today's guest. It is um, a friend of mine who we actually have, um, you know, live, shared the same space of the world for 20 years. Um, but in 20 years, this is my first time ever actually sitting across from and getting to talk to Cindy Sims. So welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about today. So um, honestly, it, it truly, it's been 20 years and I've never like had a in-depth conversation with you. So are you willing to have that conversation on record? I am and you can ask me anything. I love it, I'm excited. So um, tell me currently, I think what got me interested in like, wait a minute, you know, Cindy and I need to catch up was um, you've, you've recently taken on a role as house manager? Residential manager. Residential manager. Tell us about that. Okay. Well, it hasn't started yet because we're still looking for a house. Yeah. But we are opening a transitional home for sex trafficking survivors who are pregnant. I love it. And the name of our ministry is Her Lighthouse. And the reason uh, the founder is Karen Brooks and the reason she, the Lord gave her her lighthouse because it's for her yes. individually, because yes. every woman matters to God. Yep. So this is a two-year program. I was offered the position of residential manager. I will be living in the home. Awesome. And we're going to start with three women and their babies. Mm. It's a two-year program. They're going to get trauma therapy, parenting skills. They're going to be taking classes. We're just going to prepare them to, for independent living is our goal. Yeah. So they can stay up while they're pregnant. They can stay there and up to a year after they have their baby. And they have the option of either keeping their baby or placing for adoption. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to walk them through that whole process. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. That's a, um, I, you know, there's another for minors that I work with, um, you know, but it's hard to find placement for survivors with children. It and is. That's, but it's so needed. In fact, let me just share. We are the only home in the nation, country right mm -hmm. now that takes pregnant women, survivors. That's amazing. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So yeah. So how did you get connected to her light now house and Karen Brooks? Through Facebook, actually. <laughs> Okay, I swear by LinkedIn, but that's a good staple for Facebook. I love it. Someone, two people, two different people. You know how they send you a request to like a page? Yeah. Two different people sent me to like this page. Okay. And I did. And I said, well, let me just look this up and see what it is. And when I read about it, it's like, this is my dream. I've been in strip club ministry for 16 years now. And when I started going out to the clubs, that's when the Lord put the dream in my heart to disciple women, mm -hmm. to mentor them. And I've actually, there's been girls that's come out of the club that I have had lunch with, taken them out, um, studied the Bible with them. Mm. So I've been doing that for a few years now. And what got you into strip club ministry 16 years ago? Uh, someone from Grace, a pastor's wife, Marilyn Henders. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she had gone out with them and she saw me one Sunday at church and she said, Cindy, there's this ministry I think you would be perfect for. And she told me about it. She gave me Barbara News number. I connected with Barbara, went out one time and was such a natural. It's mm -hmm. like 
that's where my heart is. I can relate to these girls yeah. because of my past and my background. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, then that's a perfect segue. Why don't you tell us about your past and your background? What makes you so relatable to these girls? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you okay. said anything. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. I was born into a family of poverty. Mm -hmm. We I were poor. Our furniture didn't match. I lived in shame as a child. Um, my school clothes, my mom got them from the First Baptist Church. So I always in school had an yeah. inferiority complex. Yeah. I was afraid that some girl would see me wearing her outfit. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I kind of withdrew and I wasn't real sociable because of shame. Mm -hmm. So I left home at 15 years old. Wow. Yeah. And spent most of my hours started doing drugs at 15 when I left home. And I just kind of was in my young uh, teen years, I was in and out of rehab centers. In my young adult years, I was arrested and in jail for uh, distributing, for selling drugs. Mm -hmm. And so I came to Florida in 1986. So I've been here 35 years. And when I came in Florida, that's where my life just took a downward spiral. I started using the needle and I became addicted to cocaine. Mm -hmm. Then I started prostituting myself for drugs. And I did that for a long time, for years. And I had one daughter at the time mm -hmm. when I came here. Well, I got pregnant with my second daughter while I was doing drugs and I knew I had a choice to make. Yep. That I could either continue the drugs and have an abortion, which the father wanted me to do, uh -huh. or I could get off the drugs, have this baby, and get my life together. So that's what I chose to do. Nice. For the first time in my life, I wanted to make an intelligent decision. Mm -hmm. So I went back to school. I got my GED. Yeah. And I went to Irwin Botech School. For the GED or no, after? No, I had okay. a GED before okay. I came to Florida, actually. So when I started uh, this technical school to learn computers, because I was a waitress, I had no, no skills because I was in and out of centers all my life. Mm -hmm. So I learned computers and graduated. That's the first thing I ever completed in my life. Good yeah, job. I was, Good so, job. I was so proud. And my first job out of the technical school was Metropolitan Ministries. Uh -huh. And I was there for four years. And... Um, from there on, I just worked different places and I stayed clean. I had my baby girl in 1989, graduated, but then I relapsed. Mm -hmm. Two years later, I relapsed. And that's when things, oh, it was horrible. Okay, so 1989 um, was after your daughter was born. She was born in 89. She was born in 89. Um, and so that's when you were trying to make all the right choices. And then... And I did stay clean for two years. Stay clean for two years. Yes. And then after that... I met a man. Uh-huh. It's and, always a man. No, <laughs> <laughs> for me, it has oh been. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So then now we're in, you know, uh, 91. Yes. So 91. Um, well, let's say 90. I met him in 90. Okay. And you've got both custody of both daughters, right? I do. Okay. And then you meet a guy, he moves in with you. Yes. And, and boy, um, we, I started smoking pot again. I didn't start using the needle again, but we smoked pot every night. Mm -hmm. He moved in with me, but, um, he did molest my two-year-old daughter mm -hmm. 
and the 10-year-old was just getting in trouble all the time and acting out. In fact, one time my car was broken and we were walking to 7-Eleven and on the way back from 7-Eleven, she was nine at the time, she looked up at me and she said, Mom, I don't want to be like you when I grow up. And I said, I understand, honey, and I don't blame you. That right there should have been enough for me to say no more. But drugs just had such a hold of me. I thought I was in love with this man that I kind of just blew her remark off. Mm -hmm. But I was going to church during this time. I knew where the truth was. So I always went to church. No matter. Sometimes I would sit in church high as a kite and I would have to leave because conviction was so strong. Mm -hmm. But I was there mm -hmm. and my spirit was being fed, yeah. you know, because the Lord can work through anything. Absolutely. So um, where was I? I'm sorry. No, but she didn't. I, I lost my train of thought. Didn't she, like she didn't want to be like me. Oh, yeah. This couple in my church saw the pattern of my life, and they came to me and said, if anything ever happens to you, we would be willing to take your girls mm -hmm. temporarily. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. So I was reported three times to HRS, DCF. Yep, yep. And the third time I knew it was serious. So I went to this couple, Tom and Sandy, said, does your offer still stand? They said, yes. So. They took them, it was like in the middle of the school year, and their plan was to take the girls until the end of the school year. Well, he was a sergeant in the military, and they lived on McDill Air Force Base. So they took them in, and I would see them at church on weekends, and I saw how happy they were having two parents. This couple was giving them things I couldn't. Mm -hmm. and, and so it was my plan to get them back but I didn't quit seeing the boyfriend. He convinced me he didn't molest my daughter. Mm. Love is blind, and I thought I loved him. So I kept seeing him. So finally, my pastor came to me and he said, they want to adopt your children. I said, let me think about it. That's a big decision. So I thought about it. And you know, Amanda, again, as an addict, addicts are very selfish. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do something self, selfless that was for my children, that for them. I gave birth to them and I loved them, but I wasn't the mother they needed. So I agreed to the adoption. On a Saturday night at a prayer meeting, I signed the papers. And I felt like, I can't tell you the pain. I just felt like a part of me had died. And I was just drove home in tears that night, but I knew I did the right thing. Well, what they didn't tell me was a month after the adoption, he got transferred to Alaska. <gasps> yeah. Oh. And they knew, but they didn't tell me oh. because they knew that would change. The, and it would have. I wouldn't have signed those have. papers had I known. So they left to go to Alaska. And at first I had contact, but then... I kept getting these bad reports. The blame was these kids are costing them money because of your lifestyle. This is your fault, the way they are. My oldest daughter started running away and acting up in Alaska. They had her committed to charter to a hospital because of her behavior. And he said he blamed me for it, said it was my fault. 
And so I sent them, they had two more children after they got mine. Yeah. It was Christmas time, a couple of years after they left. Yeah. I went and bought gifts for all four kids, shipped them to Alaska. I came in from work. I was still at Metropolitan Ministries. I came in from work one day. There on the carport sat the box I had sent, written on top, return to sender. I felt like a knife had been stabbed through my heart. But Amanda, that was my breaking point. I went inside and I lay on the floor, I'll never forget. And I wept and I cried out to God. And I said, God, I'm tired. I'm tired of the pain. I'm tired of the drugs. I'm tired of the men. Mm -hmm. And I just cried out to God. And that's when I decided to change the course of my life. So I had to get away from the authority I was under because of all the guilt. I just couldn't get away from it. But I, So I thought changing churches would be the best thing for me. So a friend of mine, uh, I moved from the house I was in because it had too many memories. And I moved into a home. And a guy lived next door. First guy that I saw that I didn't have sex with. I was hey. he was a Christian. He was a Christian. And first, first, first guy really that I was with that I just we had no intimate relationship. So I was trying, you know. So he brought me to Grace. This was in January of night, the first January in 1996. He invited me to Grace. So that's when we were in the strip plaza. Wow. Yep. So I went. Loved it, knew knew this is exactly what I was looking for, and I requested to have lunch with Pastor Craig. And at that time, there were only 200 people in the church, so he had time. He took me to lunch, and I told him my story. And uh, he said one thing in the course of our conversation that no one had ever said to me before. Let me know when I got to quit. Yeah. And he looked me in the eyes, and he said, Cindy... I believe you're free. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, no one's ever believed in me before. Even growing up, my parents never affirmed me. They didn't encourage me in school. I don't really remember my dad saying, I love you. I don't remember as a little girl sitting in his lap and just being with him. I didn't have any of that. No love in my home. So anyway, when Pastor Craig said that, I left that restaurant on cloud nine mm. saying, thank you, God, somebody believes in me. And it gave me confidence in the new life that I wanted to begin. Four months after I started Grace, exactly four months, I get a phone call one Saturday morning. It was my former pastor. He didn't say, hello, how are you? None of that. I pick up the phone. Do you want your girls back? I said, what? Do you want your girls back? This family wants to return them because they're just causing them so much trouble. They want to give them back. But you can't just take one. You've got to take both of them. And Nicole was in the mental hospital. I said, again, this is a big decision. Let me pray about it because things can't be the same. If I, When they come back, it's got to be different. He said, well, I need to know soon. And he was just very gruff about it. So I called Pastor Craig. <laughs> yeah, it, well, Debbie. And, yeah. and I said, look, I said, I just got a phone call. And my girls want to come home. I said, and I'm scared. He said, Cindy, he said, 
we will help you. If we will prepare you to be a mom, we will put them in a children's home for one year mm -hmm. while you prepare to be the mom that they need. Mm -hmm. And I would have never thought of that. And right at that time, Growing Kids God's Way came. Wow. So I could just see God was lining up everything for them to come back. And I'll never forget, um, I've contacted, um, called the hospital where Nicole was. Her therapist said, that child doesn't need to be here. She told me that she was just acting up because she wanted to be with her mother. Mm. Yeah. So she didn't need to be there. But I talked to her and talked to Nicole, and she told me she wanted to come home. Mm. And so we made the arrangements, and Debbie Altman drove with me, my pastor's wife, drove with me to the airport. It was a Friday night to pick them up. And I didn't know how they were going to respond. It had been five years yeah. since I had seen them. And uh, so they get off the plane and they just come running to me with their little suitcase. You know, Well, we had to go to baggage yeah. claim. But Amanda, they just ran to me and threw their arms around my knees. And it's like, ah, this feels so right. Yeah. It's like they had never left, really, yeah. you know. So they were happy to see me. And Debbie said, okay, y'all come to my house in the morning, and I'm going to talk to you girls and explain where you're going, what's going to happen from here. So we went over the next morning, and she told them about the children's home. And there was a waiting list at the children's home. So one Sunday morning, that Sunday morning, she got up at church, and she said, we have a single mom here who's being reunited with her daughters, but there's a wait list at the children's home, and we need some families to let them stay there temporarily. Four families went up that morning. So for six weeks, my girls were in staying with different people. It was like a little adventure to them. And Craig and Debbie took them. And I thought that was so neat because my pastor lives what he preaches. You know, they didn't have to do that. So they stayed at different places and went to the children's home and I got them every weekend. And uh, yeah, so they came home in 1997. Nice, and been with you since. And so now, but you're a grandma now. I am, they're all grown up now. Yeah. Amazing. I have five grandchildren. Five yeah. So did you ever think, so life now in 2021, you know, um, reunited with your daughters, grandmother of five. Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, sober for how many years? Well, seven now because I relapsed again. Mm -hmm. One thing, addiction, yeah. relapse is part of the process. Yeah. It yeah. is. I was sober for 20 years. Amazing. Yeah, Amazing. I know. Celibate for 15 years. Yeah. Wow. So... I, my daughter, Amber, was living with me, my youngest daughter. The oldest one got married, left and got married when she was young. But Amber was living with me. She got in this horrific car accident, almost died. The, the airbag literally saved her life. But she was on drugs. Yeah. And she introduced me to whoever she was getting drugs from. And I relapsed in 2013 for eight months. Okay. And went through all my savings. I wasn't using the needle. I got addicted to oxycodone that time. Yeah. And what got me free of that was one night I was on my patio drinking. A friend had given me 
some Ambien and and I took them with drink, with alcohol. Yeah, I yikes. know. Yikes. And so I don't remember going to bed that night, oh. but when I woke up, my ankle was blue and swollen and I, my face had marks, bruises on it. So I walked out on my patio and I had like the statue of the waterfall and it was tipped over and I said, I fell, but I don't remember falling. But that's when I said, Cindy, what are you doing? This is the old life. And right at that time, freedom came. So I went to freedom, and that's when I quit the drugs a second time. So I've been clean since 2013 without awesome. anything. Awesome. What do you feel is like your, uh, I almost want to call it like secret to sobriety? What? Secret to sobriety? Yeah. Staying plugged in to support groups, pal, going to fellowship at church, just surrounding myself with positive people who have their life together. Yeah, so it was choice, a choice. Community is key. Yes. Yeah, wow, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and you bring up a great point, because I had someone, you know, who struggles with addiction share with me a few weeks ago. Um, you know, they, they have a hard time, and I appreciate AA and NA. I like, because I like, as a mental health practitioner, I can use that even because if you don't think there's a problem, whether it's anxiety, depression, a bad relationship, I can't help you, you know? And so that first step of admitting is, so I appreciate it, but a flip side, it was interesting is what they don't appreciate about it is if you relapse, then none of your prior time of sobriety counts. And, and you bring up a great point of like, yeah, but you were sober for 15 years. So the best you know, the best skills you had were already right there within yourself. Right. You know, instead of nothing counts, no, no, 15 years counts. So what did it you does. do for 15 years and to, to build off of it, you know, instead of yeah. wiping the slate clean? So, I mean, it's interesting. Do you feel those 15 years counted? Of course. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Neat. Um, so seven years clean. And I, and I will never say I won't do it again. I will never say I've arrived. If I was sitting here and a pack of cocaine was sitting in front of me, I honestly cannot say I would not do it. Yeah. So I have to consciously, deliberately not put myself in a situation to be tempted. Yep. So choice, connection, community, boundaries. Yes. And that's why I invited you, like knowing yourself. You know, insight is probably key to recovery. And when you come sober, when you become sober, you get to know yourself. Yeah, you have. And it's not pretty, yeah. the real sometimes. Mm -hmm. But that's why these classes help. Yeah. I went through freedom. I went through counseling with Kathy Cunningham. Mm -hmm. I grabbed at everything I could grab because I wanted to be free. Yeah, dive in because if you don't get that root, yeah, you're right. That coke has way more power than if you address the root. Exactly. Yeah. And I can honestly say today I'm healed. I love it. Amen. I'm writing a book. <laughs> Yay! Yes. Good. And... And that's another reason the Lord chose me as residential manager for her lighthouse. Mm -hmm. If these women decide to adopt their babies, I can walk them through the pain the of that. Yeah. I know I can literally yeah, reunification. Yes. I mean, yes. Yeah. So I'm perfect for this position. Yeah. I should have brought you a copy of my book, by the way. I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> I need to get you. A copy. Okay. Okay. But my book, the Lord gave me the idea mm -hmm. and, uh, I started it. And almost finished, but the Lord said, don't write the last chapter until you're actually 
walking in ministry full time. Mm. So when I get it, start work at this home, I'm going to use, I'm off every weekend. I'm going to use that weekend to finish my book and work on getting it published. Yes. Yes. Very cool. Um, well, and I can, I can give you the tips on, so I self publish through Amazon and create space, super inexpensive. Really? The drawbacks is you don't have, um, you don't have the publisher and the marketing that they come with, you know, um, but way financially low key to do it self-published. And if you already have, you know, your pal and your community and the, you know, connections <laughs> there, I mean, it may be, it may be worth doing it, you know, on your own timeline and in your own budget than okay. through a publisher. Um, what about, an, what about an editor? Uh, do you know Janice Whipple? No. She sings. She's, um, uh, she's at Grace Family Church. So this is for everybody listening who wants to do their own book. So my <laughs> editor and writing coach was Janice Whipple, and she's right here in Tampa. Florida. Okay. Um, she was amazing because she okay. really helped me. Um, I threw up on paper my first 50 pages, right? And I brought it to her. It wasn't a throw up. It was, you know, writing. I know what you mean. My first thing is I handed her my pages, and I said, I... I feel I'm supposed to be writing a book, but I don't want to write a big journal entry. Like if it's just for me and my own healing, you know, that's, that's a journal and I can keep it at home, you know, but if there's something here that can help other people. So she took it and best advice, but it wasn't what I wanted to hear. She came back a week later and nobody can see it on the podcast, but she goes, you've got great information. We're just going to rewind a bit. No, that meant we're going to start over. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, but she, yeah. but she saw my intent there. Um, but the truth was I knew what I wrote and it was a journal. You know, it was just yeah. up on paper. She helped me hone the chapters as, as the coach, right? Hone okay. the chapters and the outline and the outcomes. And then as the editor, you know, so we finished the coaching and then I had her go in as my editor and fine tooth. You know, I have a tendency to write sentences backwards. Um, it reads, but it's not the way the brain would think. Right. And so it's like, I know what you're saying, but this sounds better. Right. So an editor, yeah, so she does both. So okay. Janice Whipple, I can get you the info. Great. I can get anybody the info. Great, um, great. Amazing, though. And, you know, I don't I don't think I have regrets on self-publishing because I didn't feel like, you know, I've, I've spoken to another editor who went through, she or a Christian author, I should say, a Christian author, we both know her, and, um, you know, it's, it's been 15 plus years since she wrote her first manuscript and she's just now getting royalties because she went through a publisher. Wow. That I'm not, I'm okay with my $5 check once a month to know someone bought my <laughs> Well, my whole purpose in writing this book is my life story. Yeah. And I believe that it's going to bring hope to many women who read it. Amen. And maybe men too. Yep. But the Lord told me when I got my daughter's back that he was going to use my testimony to bring others hope. So that's a whole purpose exactly. in even writing this book. Yeah, and so that's the cool, keeping the right goal, you know, and if God said dot, 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 then we do it, regardless right. of trying to control the outcome. Right. You know, I thought I'd sell X number of books. That's, no, if he told you to write, period. Yeah, <laughs> and if she slashes it, I don't care how much she slashes yep. it. I want it to be right. Yep, 100%. Yeah. So. Awesome. so I'm excited about that. I'm excited. You. That'd be cool. Yes, you'll have to tell me, and I'll buy it when you get it out. Okay. Um, but and I'll get you the name of the editor. So thank okay. you so very much for this time. So I've enjoyed it. Me too. All right, and we'll circle back because yeah, I feel like there was so much in this time 
um, you know, I, I do want to hear more. We can even, I, we could spend episodes talking about recovery and sobriety. Yes, and, yes. You know, we could spend episodes on the healing journey of reuniting with your daughters. Like, so, um, yeah, maybe we'll do it again without lawn care and whatever else. I know, right, podcast. right. So this okay. has been a challenge. So I'm glad we got through it. Me too. Awesome. All right. Catch up again soon. Thank you.